Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. A dominant start to the preseason for the New York Knicks. Alex Wolf, NBA championship on the horizon, perhaps? Uh, let's let's temper our expectations a little bit. Maybe just like 50 wins and a top three seed. I don't know. Jalen Brunson, fantastic debut. Julius Randle and Tom Thibodeau, progress? Question mark. And RJ Barrett and a bunch of the young guys actually doing really great stuff as well. So not a lot to complain about. We'll get into it next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. And we want to thank you for being Locked On Knicks, your first listen today and every day. Uh, you should know it at this point, but if you're new, we'll, we'll mention again. We're now available on all platforms, and that includes on YouTube. So certainly go check us out there. There's a subscription. See our smiling faces day in and day out because we're with you five days a week. I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of The Strickland, the greatest Knicks website out there. You can check them out on social media at thestrick.land. And Alex, man, oh man, oh man, I, I'm genuinely in a great mood because it's fantastic to have Knicks basketball back in our lives, especially when they looked as good as they did in that 117 to 96 victory over the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. And how about Jalen Brunson, right? I mean, uh, there's a lot of different directions we could go in. First off, being that the Knicks played with the pace that was advertised on the big board in the, the practice facility. Uh, Just the you board. Know, Trust the board. Clearly, the board is is being adhered to this year. I mean, they, they played with pace. They looked great. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that Jalen Brunson was initiating so much of it. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll go through the stats first. Seven and nine shooting overall. Two of four from three. Finished with 16 points, five assists in just about 20 minutes. And, I mean, that's pretty much right in line with what he averaged last year. Obviously, much less minutes. So if you stretch that out to like per 36, that's over 20 points and probably like seven or eight assists. Pretty solid outing for him. And you got to figure he's going to be playing like 36 minutes this year. Um, But I, I don't know, man. Like I loved it with Brunson. Like I found his game to be, it's so bizarre to me. Tell me if this is like a weird way to describe his game, but his game simultaneously to me feels effortless but also like he has to try the hardest of every single guy on the court to make what he wants to do happen. Like it's just so bizarre watching how easy he makes it look, but then you look at like his build and you know, the fact that he's, he's not like a freak explosive athlete and all this other stuff. And like, even like he finished this really nice reverse at one point, but even the reverse, it looks sort of like, I don't want to say clumsy, but not like super graceful either. You know, it's like things just happen when he has the ball and it's not necessarily always beautiful, but I it's beautiful in its own way in the sense that he scores and he makes it look real easy. And I, my first inclination after this first preseason game, which to be clear, we should not get caught up in the hype of because this time last year we were like, hell yeah, our predictions are right. Like 50 wins. It's happening. Look at this space. This is what spacing looks like people like blah, blah, whatever. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, getting all excited about a preseason game. But I, I will say I'm more inclined to say that the 
sort of pseudo star turn that he took in the playoffs might be a little more like a real thing. If he's given the level of opportunity, he's clearly going to get with the Knicks. And and he looked fantastic in this first preseason game in a game where a lot of other people look pretty rusty. Yeah. I mean, he did, he did what a star should do, right? I mean, he, he was torching one-on-one matchups all night was getting to his spots to, to your point on his stats was hyper, hyper efficient. And honestly, like, Credit to, I know we haven't said this a lot recently in the podcast, credit to Tom Thibodeau because I just, I loved how they used him. They kept trying to get him momentum going downhill towards the basket. And and to your point, if, if that one weakness in his game is, is maybe that true, like elite blow by speed that we were seeing on the other end from someone like Jaden Ivey, um, the Knicks compensated with scheme um, twice in the second half. They got him right to the rim by setting stagger screens um I the second one was with Mitchell Robinson Julius Randle I can't remember who was in on the first one but the first time that that's when he got that reverse layup because it, it got a switch on Isaiah Stewart and the Pistons I mean maybe this in, indictment on the Pistons more it is a compliment on the Knicks um but he got they got Isaiah Stewart switched on to him and and Brunson just torched him and got right to the rim and got that reverse layup and the second time he he got another layup didn't make it but got to his spot and, and then just the the chemistry he flashed with a bunch of different guys on the Knicks I mean him and him and Randall had one great play in the third quarter where Randall drove left and Brunson. I mean, this is this is stuff that you see from the better teams in the NBA that have played together for years and years where Brunson just moved in total sync with Julius Randall and, and, and got to a spot parallel to where he ended up on the drive. And it, it was a pretty easy pass. So Randall just lofted out up, out and Brunson, uh, one of the elite corner three point shooters in the NBA, nailed it. Um, another one that to get him going with some speed was that opening um, basket form where he passed it to Fournier and then just sprinted hard right at him. Fournier slung it right back, and, and Brunson just had a lane right to the rim. Um, the, the way I describe Jalen Brunson, and maybe this is what you're getting at, Alex, he, he is almost sociopath levels of patience. because when uh, and, and not necessarily an apt comparison, but when I play pickup, I'll see people try and put together moves, and they, they can kind of do like that classic, like in the post, like spin, up fake, wait for the defender to fly by, lay it in. But Jalen, he'll throw together three or four of those at a time. It's a pivot, a fake, pivot back, and a fake, pivot back one more time, fake, lean in, take contact, hesitate for an extra second, then lay it in. And look, you combine that with great touch and just a an understanding of what to do on every single spot on the court. You, you get a basketball savant and, and someone that's a whole lot of fun to watch. And, and man, oh man, isn't it great to just have a point guard who's going to come in night after night and say, if, if he's not playing a good defense, he's going to light him up. And, and that's how I feel about Jalen Brunson right now. Yeah. And, you know, to your point too, like the, the decision-making is just so good with him. Like I, I didn't feel, I, he only had one kind of iffy pass. He tried to force it into a, a an already closed window. Uh, I think trying to get it to Mitch in like the third quarter, it was after the the halftime break. And, but other than that, like I thought that he made great decisions. I thought uh, much to your point with Randall, it was almost like it reminded me in some ways, the way that those two played together reminded me a bit of how Randall and Derek Rose played together at uh, during the 2021 season when the Knicks were playing at their best, where, like Rose was a guy that Randall trusted enough to have the ball in his hands and let Rose set things up rather than Randall. And then knowing like, okay, he's going to get me the ball. And then I can also find him on the perimeter for a spot up three, if need be, you know, as a bailout option, but like, I know he's going to get me mine. And, you know, in the meantime though, like if, if he sees the right opening, I know that he's going to make the right play. 
I wish that he would always trust RJ in that same way. But, you know, I, I think that Brunson definitely has that sort of trust from Randall. And I think that's why that relationship seemed pretty rock solid right away, even though these guys have presumably only been playing with each other for like, I mean, barring any off-season meetups that we don't know about. Uh, well, they did play in that Pro-Am together, I guess. So maybe they hooped a little bit more together during that. But, I mean, these guys have only been playing together for like a week and they already seem to have a pretty good level of comfort with one another, which I think will be important if Julius Randle is going to, you know, have a, a, a revival uh, during this season, which we can get into in the next segment because um, we'll talk about him and Tibbs a bit. But yeah, it, to finish up on Brunson, I mean, I was just super impressed with him. I, I don't know how much more to say. I, I think I feel certainly vindicated about saying like money well spent, in the off season. And I, I feel like most people with half a brain thought that as well on the Knicks, you know, side of things. But a lot of people were saying it's an overpay. It's this, it's that. I, I don't think it's any of those. Cause like you said, the, he's just too good. Everything about his game is based on craft and, you know, just using all the moves that he clearly just has completely on retainer at all times in his body. And I, I think it's going to be very rare that you see a true off night from him. Because the only thing that I think can really stop him is like a truly, truly cold three-point shooting night. But even if he has one of those, Tibbs loves guards that can get into the paint. He let Brunson do his thing like crazy in this game. And Brunson made the most of that opportunity and, you know, scored a bunch of points in the paint and generated looks for others based off that penetration he can create. And did basically everything that was advertised and then some. And I, I think we're in for as much as we've been sort of belly aching for the last couple of weeks about like things are going to be so similar. Like they're not willing to put anybody in for for Fournier. They're not going to move Randall and, you know, move Obi up to being the starter and blah, blah, blah. Like uh, I think we've sort of been doing a disservice to Jalen Brunson and the fact that like this is a huge change and this is easily the best point guard the Knicks have employed since like Stefan Marbury, just on a pure talent perspective. Yeah. I think the, I mean, to, to wrap up uh, the, the one word I would use with this game is, is precision because if you are a guard or, or a wing in the NBA, you, you have a deep bag. I mean, relative to pretty much everyone else in the world who plays basketball. And again, it, it's why you see randos like a, like an Ishmith occasionally drop 35 points is because all these guys are so good. The, the difference between those guys and, and the best players in the league are the best players in the league are technicians. Like the level of precision required to do it on a night in and night out basis is one that, I mean, 99.9% of people are, are, are like pretty much anyone who hasn't played in an NBA game or, or coached an NBA game is never going to fully understand. And, and, and Jalen, the way he he executes at every single spot on the court. I mean, look, tonight all the shots went in. He could he could get all the same shots tomorrow and go 0 for 11. But the fact of the matter is, like, at his height, with his relative lack of athleticism, that he's one of the most efficient scorers in the world, it, it, it's why he's just going to be a, a, a treat to watch night in and night out. And, and to your point, the, the trust immediately that the other Knicks had in him, it almost reminds me a little bit of, of what you always hear and see from Kyrie Irving, like where, where you'll hear from guys across the league, like, like, like ignoring all the off the court stuff, which is hard to do. Right. But, but just for a second, putting that aside, Kyrie's like on pure ability, probably something like the, I don't know, 15th to 17th best player in the NBA, but 
dudes talk about him like he's the best player on earth. And it's because his the the breadth of his skill set and his technical ability is just incredible. There, there are people out there who um, I would argue against it, but have a semi-valid case. Like when they say like, oh, you know, he might be the most skilled player of all time. Brunson, maybe not quite on that level, especially in terms of like his layup package, but he, he's that type of player. And I think you could see that translate in the sense that all these guys, Julius especially, just respect him right from the get-go. Like the, the, there's no like fighting over the ball. And, and look, this has to be put under stress, right? This is a preseason game against the Pistons. Final minute, close game against the Celtics. Like we'll, we'll see if that holds up. But for now, um, these guys have a whole lot of faith in him right right from the start. And, and ultimately that's what you want from your point guard. And it's been a long time. I, I would say since Jason Kidd was the point guard, really only at the start of that season, that the Knicks have had someone that everyone else on the team just sort of falls in line behind. Derek, Derek Rose aside, who again, has not really been a full-time player for the Knicks outside of that one beautiful three quarters of a season. But Alex, before we get into that, uh, why don't you tell us all about prize picks? Yeah, prize picks is your new favorite daily fantasy option tonight. Let's say you took RJ Barrett uh, plus 20 or 20.5 points over. You took uh, Jalen Brunson, 4.5 assists over and Julius Randle on 4.5 made field goals over. You'd be making a lot of money today. And that's what you could do with prize picks. It's very fun because you get to take just the stats that you want to do and make the plays that you want to play. How does it work? You pick two to five players, and if they if they go and score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. I, I don't know how they could possibly have more sports. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It really is that easy. It, and there are safe and fast withdrawals. And it's currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. And the best part is you could pick multiple sport entries as well so you can if it's a football sunday and the knicks are playing you can create a knicks entry with a little football mixed in it's like watching you know the knicks and also playing fantasy football at the same time it's great stuff so download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports first time users can receive a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 with promo code locked on if you deposit 100 prize picks will give you 100 if you deposit 50 prize picks will give you 50 don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match of up to 100 all right and we are back to locked on Knicks talking about this big Knicks win Gavin I think the the thing that we've been sort of tiptoeing around a little bit I mean after after all this talk from us about you know having to move on from Tibbs having to move on from Julius Randall you know Alex if you if you go to our YouTube channel you'll see all that content has been erased so oh uh, good to know yeah. yeah we've scrubbed it actually so that we wouldn't get rid of those sweet sweet Previous views we have gone in and since bleeped out all portions. We've redacted it. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's a tough watch. I tried to get through a couple of them. It's a tough watch, but I, but unofficially, if I missed anything, I'm gonna go with that was that was a deep fake. Um, we just we, we just have to keep. <laughs> it's a deep. We just have to keep the the previous version for if things go south here. <laughs> yeah, you know you gotta you gotta play both sides. <laughs> but at any rate, 
the you know it lost in this big win so far in our discussion. Oh, not totally. We were talking about Randall a little bit. Uh, I thought Julius Randall and Tom Thibodeau had great games. Uh, I'll throw it to you as far as which one you want to pick first here. Yeah, uh, Julius was was awesome. I mean, he look he th- I, I can I can run through the sequence he had um, for the first only three minutes of the third quarter where um, this game not that it was particularly close, but he, he basically completely put it away by himself. Um, like he he went at Ivy Jaden Ivy on a switch and and got a layup, uh, which to me I mean this this is the one thing that I forgot to mention with Brunson, but. One of the most exciting elements of him is like when him and Randall play a two-man game and you actually have to respect Brunson's shot and you have to go out on him and guard him. Um, it's going to create a whole lot of switches for Julius and the best version of Julius that works out well for the Knicks because it's going to be efficient and it works out well for Julius because he gets to pound the ball for 10 seconds and it actually makes sense is if you can get him switched onto a point card. And the Knicks did that over and over again where they got him on Jaden Ivey. And then on the other end, he did a good job defending Jaden Ivey. Like the few times that he was switched onto him, like once he forced a shot clock violation, um, got a, a spin move into a double pump jumper in the lane, a, a classic Randall move. Um, I already mentioned the pass he had to Brunson, then had a jab in a three, then hit another open three on the next possession. Like it, it looked like, and this is, I think, our dream for him, basically what Julius was in the 2021 season but just a little bit more low key, like not really forcing it, not having be the center part of everything. Honestly, Alex, it's what I imagined we were going to get from Julius last year, where we spent a whole off season saying like, Hey, even if the shooting wasn't real, he's going to get such good shots playing off of Kemba Walker that it won't matter. And the efficiency will stay the same. It, it, it sort of goes back to like that crazy bowling guys, like whoever you think you are, I am like Julius is Julius is that dude um, this year playing off of Brunson. Maybe it's only been one game and it was against the Detroit Pistons. Super small sample size, preseason game, not a very good defense, all the usual caveats. I want to see how the unselfishness that he showed in this game, one just holds up over time. Like, can he do it again and again and again? Like when the vibes are a little less good, when the Knicks are on a three game losing streak, when they're in a hostile environment on the road and the game really matters and it has stakes. Can he, can he keep this up? That 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 was my doubt within this whole time, whether the good moments would be sustainable. Last season, there were some good moments. It was never sustainable. I hope it's sustainable because the way he played tonight was great and, and he fit in he fit in pretty much perfectly with everything that the Knicks want to do this year. Yeah, I'm with that. I, I totally agree. I think that the way that he played on offense, it, you know, not, not just all the things that you said, but again, doing the stuff that was on the board, <laughs> you know, like – Leaking out, leaking out in transition, you know, like uh, getting out there and, you know, there was a, a sort of a busted play on the one end and he could see a steal happening. And instead of running up and being like, give me the ball, he was like, oh, wait, if I just leak out, I can get an easy dunk. And that's way better, <laughs> you know, like for the team, for myself, for everything. And he leaked out and got an easy dunk and got a nice transition pass. Like it was awesome. And some of his assists too, you know, like he managed to, I think it's very important he didn't turn the ball over once. And honestly, that was not totally for lack of trying. Uh, there was once or twice where he had it, where it was sort of the classic Julius possession where he got a little overzealous and sort of dribbled the ball off his foot a little bit and it, like almost lost possession of it, but managed to recover those, even turned one of them into a really nice dime to RJ Barrett, who had a great cut of his own to make that happen. But like, you know, looked, it, it realized like, oh crap, I just, you know, dribble the ball off my foot and I'm kind of floundering on the the perimeter here. 
there's two defenders crashing trying to get this ball. Let me see where I can fit it. RJ had the wherewithal to be like, boom, let me cut in here. And Julius was like, oh, yeah, just like whoop, right in between these two guys, like right to you, RJ. It was great. Like it, those sort of plays, I mean, I would prefer it not be a busted play, but it, just the fact that he's keeping his head up more or at least did in this game is very encouraging. I would love to see if we could see like him setting screens for Brunson, which I remember we like geeked the hell out last year. Uh, speaking of Kemba Walker, when he and Kemba did that for like one possession, we were like, yes, this is coming. It's it's the future. Like Kemba Walker and Julius Randle <laughs> pick and rolls. Like this is going to happen this year. And Julius yeah. is going to pick and pop and whatever. Like we were so excited. I would love to see even a couple of those with Brunson. But I, I think to your point, yeah, it's, it's sort of exactly what we thought would happen last year, which is like Julius where he – plays like he did in 2021, but accepts that he doesn't have to do everything, which is definitely going to be key for him being successful this year, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all about playing within himself, playing within the system. Not, I, I think the, the only thing ever holding him back is is himself and and thinking that he has to prove something on a basketball court. That, like, if I was his therapist, I would, I would be saying to him every time, you don't have to prove anything. Like you, you, you go out there and, and be who you are. That's awesome. That's a really good player. If and 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 you and you do that while playing with intensity. That that's that's a all star player maybe. Um, I look. It's all it's all up to him. And uh, tonight was a great start. So so no doubts there. Um, but yeah, Tom Thibodeau. I think for us the biggest thing that we saw in tonight's game was the rotations. And and to be clear, Tibbs literally said to to not to douse everyone's hopes in basically a stream of urine that, uh, look, guys, this isn't a normal game. These aren't going to be the normal rotations. They're going to do things a little bit differently. But, man, oh, man, I wish this was the normal rotation. This was perfect. Um, you, you got the starters in for the first basically nine minutes of the ball game, ten minutes of the ball game. The, the subs played from the, like, two-and-a-half-minute mark in the first quarter to, like, the five-minute mark in the second quarter. Starters came back in. RJ came back in a little bit earlier and got some moments with the backups. And I know you and I, for, for three years running now, have loved every single second that RJ gets with the backups because I think it brings out all the best parts of his games and he and of his game, and he gets way easier shots, and it's just it's, – it's fun. Um, and then in the second half, um, part of it was that as a big blowout, but, again, like, pretty even minutes – between the starters and the backups and you have this bench unit that um, we, we can keep talking about it, but looks absolutely electric with Isaiah Hartenstein hitting threes like Derek Rose, clearly still quick enough to bend a defense. Emmanuel quickly attacking the rim with ferocity. Obi flying down the court for dunks. Like whenever you get Quentin Grimes in there, or maybe Evan Fournier in there, you're going to have a major, major, major three point threat. Um, and, and, and Tibbs let that all happen. And, and then the other big thing was just that again, like, We've seen this in preseasons past, and then it hasn't sustained throughout a full season. But I thought the offense just had some real flow to it. Like the ball wasn't sticking. They were playing with pace. Everyone, as as we've said a couple of times now, was respecting the board. And they live by the board. It doesn't have to be super complicated because you have good players, and they play unselfishly, and they play with pace, and they play with intensity. Good things tend to happen on an NBA court. So I, I, I loved every part of it. Um, I think a big element that it was hard to tell how much this was Tibbs and just how much um, the Knicks have, have shifted their roster. I know um, Ariel Pacheco, our guy, was tweeting about this and noting like part of it was just Fournier and Mitch being really healthy, but just the speed and ferocity across the board. And, and I give Tibbs a lot of credit for continuing to instill that on the defensive end. We, we've said a lot of bad things about Tibbs, but you, you give him credit for this. He maybe has lost Julius Randle at points. He's never lost the team collectively in terms of getting them to play hard. 
Yeah, I, I'm with that. I, I agree with all those things. I mean, I, I got to say at this point, I feel like we got to like start a our own soul cycle type thing or something that's just called respect the board yeah, or a little cult, <laughs> follow the board, you know, whatever. Yeah. We'll, we'll make our own little cult all about following the board. Uh, mm. But yeah, the, the board was great. And like props to Tibbs, if he wrote all those things up, we kind of like, <laughs> like laughed at them a little bit being like, oh, uh, you want offensive execution to make your offense work? Like, <laughs> but hey, whatever, <laughs> if it works, it works. I'm not going to question it at this point. And I loved that he didn't play all the guys like a zillion minutes. Like I was reminiscing about this time last year when we were like watching the Knicks preseason and Tibbs did his Tibbs thing with playing it exactly like a real game and not giving any guys extra run or anything. And then it ended with like a Julius Randle game winner. And we were just sitting here like, sweet. I mean, I don't know. It was exciting, but it was preseason, <laughs> you know, like, why do you need Julius Randle in there to win a preseason game against the Washington Wizards? Like, I don't totally get it. Um, but, and, you know, it, it's, it is what it is, but I, I really, I appreciated how he approached things. I thought that he did a slightly better job of staggering guys into, which was good as far as not just doing his hockey shift changes where he, you know, usually brings everybody in and out within one minute of each other. Uh, there was some more staggering of, you know, not just guys on the bench, but guys, you know, starters like RJ Barrett got a, a good deal of time with the bench where he looked probably his best on offense uh, and all kinds of good stuff like that. That's probably a good point for us to take our final break because RJ Barrett is somehow the guy we haven't really talked about yet. And he was the leading scorer for the Knicks and made it look real, real easy at various points in this. So we'll come back. We'll talk RJ Barrett. We'll talk Deuce McBride. We'll talk Emmanuel quickly. Obi Toppin, Cam Reddish, uh, who unfortunately got hurt in this game and hopefully won't be out for a long time and everything else that there is to talk about next on locked on Knicks. All right. And we're back to finish up this episode of locked on Knicks with our final takeaways here, Gavin. Uh, I figured we could start with RJ Barrett, who we somehow have neglected to talk about thus far. But just coolly, easily uh, found his way to 21 points on 8 of 14 shooting, 3 of 5 from deep, 2 of 2 from the free throw line. Always important to note with RJ. Uh, also had five boards, two assists, a steal, and a block, and only one turnover. Common theme in this game, the Knicks played very clean. And again, maybe you can chalk that up to A, preseason, B, level of opponent, but I'm still taking it. Only 13 turnovers for the whole team. That's a positively in the 10 year anniversary. It, that was a positively 2012, 13 Nick level turnover number when they had some of the lowest turnover numbers in the league that year. Um, Gavin, I, I'll throw it to you. What, what most impressed you about RJ's game in this one? And again, you know, a pretty, pretty nice little uh, show out performance just a, a couple weeks after his, the Knicks faith in him and extension in him sort of, derailed Donovan Mitchell trade talks this felt like sort of a uh a, a nice starting point for the just RJ's legacy with that new contract yeah again with, with the level of competition uh qualifier but um I think the most impressive thing about him was that he looked stunningly similar to Brunson to me just in how easy everything he did look like that 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 first three that he hit then like when he came back into the game the the smooth wing pull up that he had um just the, the the patience and the pacing on the first layup he had of the game where um, he got a steal 
And then uh, credit to Mitchell Robinson. He's not very good at setting screens, but Mitch sort of set a good illegal screen where nominally he was just kind of running across the lane, but he or running across the arc, but he just banged into RJ's guy and RJ just went right to the rim for a layup. Um, the, the play you referenced where he had great instincts, um, seeing Julius scramble with the ball, realizing his guy came over to try and get the ball and just cutting right to the rim for a dunk. Um my favorite uh, little play that he had was that one in the, I think it was either late third or, or maybe the very beginning of the fourth, but it was kind of Giannis-esque where he took literally just one dribble inside the three-point line and then did a long, like, two-step sort of Euro and then an up and under to finish at the rim. And, and just, again, like, the knowledge that, oh, okay, if I have a smaller guy on me, I can literally take off, like, 18 feet from the basket and, and still bully my way there and finish with finesse um, had another like really great transition pass to Obi. It was, I mean, again, elements of Brunson in, in just that how smooth he looked and elements of Randall in that there was nothing forced. And maybe that's a reflection on having Jalen Brunson. Maybe that's a reflection on the offense moving with more flow. Maybe it's a reflection on there being more threats all over the court more than anything else. It's a reflection of it being the Detroit Pistons in a preseason game, but it just, everything looked automatic for him. Yeah. I think my favorite play from him was the, the final basket that he made, which was the in transition had Sadiq Bay in front of him and just sort of took like a real nice, like semi Euro step and, and finished with the left hand over him and just kind of got that nice little, like dink, dink, dunk, like <laughs> a little, you know, soft touch off the back of the rim and in, I, that was probably my favorite make from him uh, in the game, but I'm with you. Everything looked effortless to him. It looks like he really, you know, there were certain times, early on where I was like a uh, three point shot looks a little off or uh, like, like he got really ate up by uh, I think it was uh, Isaiah Stewart at one point and like, like went straight into him and just got like fully denied. Uh, there was another one where he had, I, I want to say it was Kate on him and tried to like sort of back him down and then take like a, like a fall away banker off the glass. And I'm like, all right, dude, like that's, that's a little ambitious. You know, you didn't have to do that, but I guess kudos to you for trying in a preseason game. This is the time to try all that crap. Uh, but, you know, other than those few little hiccups, everything, you know, all the stuff that we already know he's good at, he remained good at. And that's awesome. And it, it looks more refined. And, I mean, efficiency is going to be the big measuring stick for him this year. Like, we saw last year that he can, he can do all this stuff. He can be, you know, a primary engine lead scorer type guy. But, we didn't necessarily see like that he could do it and be efficient doing it. Like he definitely struggled with that down the stretch, but this game, you know, I mean, if he can translate obviously three for five from three, isn't going to happen every night, but if he could shoot, you know, eight of 14 or even just straight up seven of 14, you know, shoot like a, a cool little 50% every night, that's pretty good, you know, and, and he managed to get himself up over 20 points without even uh, cracking, you know, 15 shot attempts, or more than two free throws, which is pretty impressive and, and shows that he had a good amount of craft finishing around the rim, which I think is going to be a big thing for him this year too. Uh, but I think that we can, speaking of finishing at the rim, I think we can move to another player, Emmanuel Quickly, who I thought had sort of an up and down game. I mean, he sort of was, I thought he was maybe forcing things a little bit for small stretches. Uh, definitely was not there with the shot yet. Uh, his his shot was everything was coming up kind of short for him. He shot one of four from three, but on the overall, thirteen points in in twenty minutes. Uh, shot five of eleven overall, despite shooting one of four from three. 
and had three rebounds, three assists, three steals uh, on a night where a lot of Knicks had a lot of steals. Uh, I thought that he played a pretty good game. I, I'm not like, unfortunately, I still think that he's just going to be slotted in as like the backup two sort of, uh, or backup one, two hybrid. I still think minutes are going to be a struggle, which is unfortunate. Obviously Brunson, you know, we led the show talking about him. He deserves all of it. Uh, maybe a little less Derek Rose granted like Rose didn't play a ton in this. He only played five and a half minutes. I think all in the first half, if I'm not mistaken, uh, so maybe that is a sign of things to come. If it is that, that would be another huge point of growth for Tibbs to prioritize quickly and getting him more minutes and have Rose as more of a, a spot minutes and you know veteran mentor type guy. Uh, I guess we'll see how that all goes, but I, I liked what I saw from quickly. It just didn't really didn't totally blow my mind, but he did continue the good trend of last year of getting inside and and seeking contact and finishing through it, which it certainly deserves to be applauded. Yeah, uh, my, my favorite play of the day from him was he had that uh, midway through the second, that pump fake on the left wing, got Bagley. He realized the lane cleared out, and in the past, he would have hesitated, like maybe pulled out into a three, maybe dribbled his way into a mid-range or dribbled his way into a floater, but instead he, he put his head down, got right to the rim, initiated contact with Isaiah Livers to – to create some separation and then just had that and one lefty layup when he clanged to the ground. I mean, you, you, you can just tell his, his core strength and his, his arms are, are at a different level than they've been in past seasons. I mean, to me, that was, that was the improvement from him. And we were already heading that direction at the end of last season. But I, I think it's clear that he is, is going to be the best he's ever been as a driver. And, and there's no, there's no fear at this point. There's no reticence to attack the rim that, that is a really big deal. And, and look, he did it um, even when there wasn't really an advantage. He kind of created one out of thin air. Like like one of his his first big plays of the game was he had a rebound, went coast to coast, um, and and it just it's kind of basketball one-on-one. Don't stop until they stop you. And I just had a little side slip, sling into the corner for Obi. Obi blew the three. But the point was that the pass was really, really good. Um, continued to show like a quick handle, like late in the fourth quarter's last bucket was when he crossed Isaiah Livers into oblivion, drove and finished. Had a nice little pull up three. I know he wasn't shooting all that well tonight. He missed a couple free throws as well, and like some some would be three point plays uh, were not because of that, which was a little out of character. But overall, I mean, I I'm really really high on where he's at in terms of basically curing himself of the weaknesses that defined him through the first year and a half of his NBA career. And to your point, we're, we're going to see if that gets rewarded with playing time or not. But the guy I wanted to talk on the the star, I think, outside of the big three in this game was Isaiah Hartenstein. Because Alex, you and I have been asking for a shooting big next to Obi Toppin for years. Hours and hours of podcasts have been spent making up fake trades to try and get a Miles Turner here. Or uh, I think at one point to maybe bring like a 40-year-old Channing Fry out of retirement. Whatever it took, we wanted some room for our guy Obi. We wanted him to be able to operate as a diver. And with Hartenstein, I mean, there still are, but especially coming into the season, there's some real questions because he only took 33s all of last year comes in, immediately hits two of them. And, and, and the biggest thing for me was just that there, there was no hesitation. Like he, he, he fired them right up. It looked really good coming out of his hand. To, to me, the Knicks are going to, I mean, in the past, their bench units have in part been really good because they've been elite defensively, certainly during the 2021 season. That was, that was kind of the highlight along with Derrick Rose just creating magic. I think offensively, they're going to be one of the better lineups 
in the NBA this year relative to the competition they're playing if Hardenstein can keep up that kind of shooting. And then speaking of defense, it kind of reminded me of Grimes, just how strong his hands were. It felt like anytime he touched the basketball, he was knocking it away, kicking off a fast break. There was one play where, where Cam got called for a foul, but he just ripped it out of a Pistons hands as the guy was going up to shoot. Uh, I was, I was super high on what we saw from him. tonight. Yeah, I was too. I mean, it, the, the basketball gods definitely answered our prayers with this one. I mean, I think that he was everything that he's advertised to be, uh, including maybe being a smidge foul prone. I, I saw a couple of them early on, and I still have that worry, like four fouls in 27 minutes of preseason action. It still says to me, like, it's it's probably a good thing that Mitch is still the entrenched starter here. But as a change of pace guy, I, I love Hardenstein. Like, I love that he can stretch the floor credibly. I love his passing. You know, he managed to uh, only finish with one assist in this game, but I just thought that he really moved the ball well and and did a good job of keeping things moving in that regard. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't have too much more to add to what you said other than just to say, like, I was impressed with him. I mean, I, I'm very happy to have him on the team, uh, and I think that he's going to do a really good job of spelling Mitch, but also finally – sort of giving a different look. Like I can remember I sort of lauded the Knicks a little bit for going for Nerlens Noel a couple of years ago and being like, there's some benefit to having consistency out there of what you do all the time. But I think over time I've sort of realized like when you had Mitch and you had Noel and you had Taj, you all basically do the same thing where Taj only had like the smallest sliver of a three point shot. And that made all the difference. Sometimes it started to click like, no, nah, maybe that's more what they need. They need like someone who does something totally different from Mitch, especially now that Mitch has sort of figured his foul woes out and stuff like that. It's good to have someone out there that can do something different when you know that you could just go back to Mitch on most nights and not have to worry about fouls and stuff uh, yeah. without really losing too much in, in terms of, you know, rebounding and, and things of that nature either, but getting that like added passing and shooting that you don't get with Mitch, even if you don't get quite the, the impactful level of defender that Mitch is. I, I do want to just briefly give Mitch a little bit of props too. Like I did enjoy his stint too. Not to say that Hartenstein was the only center that I thought played well. Like uh, Mitch, just a quick little, you know, 18 minutes, a tidy little six points, four boards and three blocks and one steal. He got the three blocks like pretty early on. And it's just like a nice reminder of just how crazy impactful he can be on that end of the floor. And physically i know this is sort of a story for us to look at going into the season i think he looks great which is the best possible news you know i think that he looks like he's at the perfect playing weight for him he looks like he's got his bounce back he looks like he's you know not like overburdened by muscles but also still has enough bulk to be the dominant rebounder that he was last year like he got a one really good off. Of, I think it was the RJ miss that I mentioned earlier. The one where he took that sort of wild, like, like turnaround fader, you know, off glass look. Uh, Mitch was under the hoop surrounded by like three other guys and just like casually rose above all of them and then just tossed it back in the hoop. And I was yeah. like, that's good stuff. That's what I like to see out of Mitch. And, you know, he's, he's a lean, mean rebounding and blocking machine again. And that's, that's what I want to see from him. I, I got to say like the two guys that got big paid, by the Knicks this offseason that were the incumbents, I should actually all three guys screw. It. We'll just include Brunson in it too. And Hardenstein. I mean, really, all four guys that the Knicks paid this offseason that were playing in this game all looked amazing. 
uh, and totally worth the contracts that the Knicks gave them. So I guess we got to sort of, at least based off this one preseason game, give the Knicks front office their flowers a little bit too, because I, I think they did a really good job with picking these guys to, to have stay around on the team. And we're not allowed to take it back. It's forever. Congrats, Leon Rose. You got our approval. Um, yeah, I wanted uh, I wanted to touch on Obi Toppin before we wrapped up. Um, I thought it was it was a pretty standard Obi night, and and that to me that's both a good and bad thing because I was excited to see. All right, how has he expanded his game? Like, are we going to see off the dribble pull ups from him? Are we going to see like I mean this would be crazy, but like self created threes? Are we going to see him take guys one on one? And you got like little flashes of that. Like he took he took a pull up in the fourth quarter and missed it. Um, he he blew by uh, Bojan Bogdanovic um, or yeah, Bojan Bogdanovic. I was, I was messed him up um, off the dribble and got a dunk um, off a nice pass from when RJ went between the legs to him. So that was, that was a cool play and a good moment. And it's nice to see him aggressively attack a mismatch. Uh, I like that he had zero hesitation bombing threes from the corner, even though he had a classic terrible Mitch miss where it was somehow like six feet long, but also four feet to the right, which I don't think I've ever seen any other NBA player who, who, who honestly like could be a decent shooter do as often as he does. So that was, that was both funny and, and a little bit sad. Um, I, I think he, he's gotten stronger. I know that was something that Mike Breen noted on the broadcast, but he got a really big rebound over traffic um, over Marvin Bagley, which whatever you want to say about Marvin Bagley, that dude is, is a, very good rebounder, um, at least at points. Um, and yeah, he he showed off like a great ability to leak out in transition. He did a great job, like whenever he got those leak outs of like if there was a smaller guy on him, he got body positioning. And there were times where other guys in the Knicks missed him. And look, he had he had an easy, efficient night. And I, I still think there's more to be had there, and I want to see more from him. Um, but it was just sort of classic Obi. Yeah, I'm with you with Obi. I love that blow by and the the dunk finish. I just love how effortlessly he could just get like, like all the way up to his elbow above the rim, you know, and just like, no big deal. Just like, whoop. yeah, we'll just throw this one down. I'll just float and do this. He's just such a joy to watch. So I don't feel like I have to add too much more to that. I will just real quick before we go. I think this is probably be the last thing we touch on. We'll have more time for the other guys uh, in the other games, but Cam Reddish, unfortunately, uh, gets a sprained ankle. Gavin, I, I hadn't heard this, but you noted it that it, and, and I didn't see it happen live. I, I, I think I was, I don't know. I think I was eating or something at that time, but he apparently tripped over a ref and sprained his ankle. It's just like, yeah, man, it sucks for this guy. But I thought that, you know, hopefully it's not a severe sprained ankle because I liked what I saw from him prior to that. I mean, he was the shot selection and the actual shooting itself was a little rough. So like the offense, not super great, but I thought he was really like doing a good job of doing a lot of things he does well, like pushing transition. Uh, I thought that he was playing good defense, playing the passing lanes. Well, I really liked what we were seeing out of him right up until, you know, he got hurt and then couldn't play the rest of the second half and the rest of the game, but hopefully he's not out too long. Uh, hopefully he's a, like, if he's able to get back by Friday's game, that would be good. If Quentin Grimes is still out because it seemed like, he was going to be afforded the minutes that Grimes was going to get. I wonder if even in preseason, he's going to struggle to get more minutes if Grimes comes back as soon as Friday. So hopefully this injury isn't too severe and hopefully he can sort of keep making a case for himself because if he could play like he did in this game, I, I really like what he could potentially bring to the Knicks uh, going forward. Yeah. I think the whole thing with him is that at some point the shots do have to go in 
And unfortunately, I mean, to your point of him being snake bitten, when they started to go in last year, he had two games of them going in and then he got hurt and then he was out for the season. Um, and before that, he was shooting atrociously. The thing is, the guy has like a, a years long track record of if not being a great shooter, like being a solid one, especially in, in, the, in his context in the NBA where he's not being asked to be a primary and create them and, and, and can just be a standstill guy. And look, like if if everything he brings defensively to your point and in terms of creation at that size, if he's going to throw up like two bad step backs a game, I can live with it. But in, in Tibbs's defense, like I, and, and, and we've said this on this podcast before, like there are a ton of guys to get in. And if he's not hitting shots at a really high rate, then I don't know if he does deserve minutes on this team for even, even, even with the other stuff that he does well. And, and you always want to bet on the upside, but it, it's almost a little bit similar to the Kevin Knox stuff where it's like, all right, when is it going to be consistent? And with Knox, the answer was never reddish is a much better player than Knox's, but still to, to play on a, on a half decent team competing for a playoff spot. Um, the, the shots have to fall at some point and he's got to do all the other stuff. So that's what I'm looking for out of him. A uh, quick shout out to Evan Fournier, who I thought looked really good on defense and, and looked a little bit more mobile than he did at points last year. I, I hope, I hope that continues. And and if so, I mean, maybe he'll, it'll be another thing that we're wrong about Alex and he actually will deserve his spot in the starting lineup, but I, I don't know about you. That, that, that's about it for me. This, this was, it, it was just, just on a, on a, on a big picture note. So cool to have this back. It was, I, I can't believe how much fun I had watching this game. And, and part of it was again, the no stakes, like it was, it was just fun, but uh, man, what, what, what a joy. It was, it was really cool to see them. And, and they just, they just have the look of like a team that we won't hate for 82 games this year. Yeah. And I, I think we've got to do all praise to Jalen Brunson for that one, because Seems like he's going to make a huge, huge difference this year. And uh, hopefully that is the case outside of preseason game one. Again, I refuse to be fooled again. This time last year after preseason game one, we were like 50 wins. Maybe we were too, you know, <laughs> too conservative. This team could win 60. Like, you know, <laughs> having huge delusions of grandeur because of the one preseason game. So I'll wait to see two preseason games and then i'll be willing to say 50 wins this year there you go uh but until next time when we come back and do that although we're gonna have more episodes between now and the next preseason game uh thank you all for listening we will talk to you guys all soon as the preseason chugs along we're gonna be doing our season preview still of all the players we did at the tail end of an episode the other day we did the uh the last roster spot and trying to delegate that to somebody then we did uh sims and uh deuce in our episode yesterday and then going forward we'll be doing all the rest of the players on the team so keep your ears out for that along with some other great stuff but until next time thank you all for listening to this as it turned out extra long episode of the first preseason game we had a lot to talk about of locked on this we will talk to you guys all soon Peace out.